Thank you so much for coming this morning. Uh, I want to remind you simply that when you come, uh, it's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to those uh, who are here already and those who are coming. So uh, thanks for coming. Uh, we come to hear from God, and I hope that can be true this morning. So we're in the series called A Risk to Belong. And I want to begin with studies are clear. Studies are very clear. Belonging matters. It matters to your soul. It matters to your health. It matters actually actuaries say it matters in how long you live. Uh, the studies are really clear. One of the most famous social science studies ever conducted is called the Alameda County Study. It took place in California. 7,000 people studied for nine years. Uh, a social scientist from Harvard conducted and oversaw this study. And according to this study and the results of the study, the most isolated people in this community, 7,000, the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than people who were more relationally connected. Three times more likely to die. Very interesting. In this study of 9,000 people, poor health habits, if you smoke or drink or eat poorly or if you're obese, but you have really tight friendships and you're connected, you actually live longer than um, those who had really good health habits but were unconnected and isolated. So I was thinking about that. I think the result of the study is it's better to eat Twinkies with friends than to eat broccoli alone. <laughs> and I saw how some of you tailgated yesterday, and this is good news to you. 276 volunteers, this is another study, 276 volunteers were uh, given a shot of a cold virus. Did I say volunteers? Um, and the people who had the stronger relational ties, connections to other people, did four times better fighting off the cold. Four times better. In fact, the study says that emotionally connected people were less susceptible to getting the colds, they shed less viruses, and they created less mucus. <laughs> so again, I was thinking, unfriendly people are snottier than friendly people. <laughs> It's a scientific truth. Both Waterloo and Cedar Falls are Blue Zone cities, right? And a lot of us have watched Blue Zones. And principle number nine is that uh, people, who will, people who live long with a strong quality of life are people who connect with others. So uh, it's so interesting that um, all these scientific studies are doing is discovering a truth that's already in the Bible. Humans were created, just like Jeff said, humans were created for community, to belong together. Uh, the last time I taught on this topic, about a year ago, I told the story, uh, maybe two years ago now, I told the story of elite Navy SEALs who drop behind enemy lines. And the Navy teaches these elite SEALs to ask three questions. Number one, after they drop behind enemy lines, first question, where am I? Important question. Second question, where's the enemy? Third question, where's my buddy? Where's my buddy? You see, one plus one is more than two when you're behind enemy lines. And so this idea of community is not something that's nice that my church talks about. It's like life and death and health for you. And the Bible declares and our church believes that belonging to each other really matters. 
And, uh, you know, Jesus taught us to pray, remember? And isn't it interesting? He said, give us this day, us, our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive others. Jesus thought in the plural a lot more than those of us in the United States give him credit for. We think it says, give me my daily bread, my. No, give us ours. Um, so we have a, a slide here uh, that defines how we as a church are trying to help you with a definition of community. Commit to a group of people who share life and faith in Jesus to bless a broken world. There's our definition. Compare, commit to a group of people who share life and faith in Jesus to bless a broken world. And so we invite you to jump in. Jeff, in the announcements, gave three that are in the bulletin. There's actually a card at the event center and the welcome center that has eight ways for you to jump in. Little steps, big steps. So if you're interested and you need to uh, find community as this series goes on, this card will help you. So we're in this four-week series. Alice taught last week. And she taught that uh, the risk to Balan, it's about God. It starts with God. God, our God, the Christian God, is a God of trinity, of community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three. And they had everything they needed. They had everything they needed. They had joy. They had purpose. They had everything they needed. But somehow, out of their sovereignty, they said, let us make man in our image. And so then, it's so interesting, the creation story. I tell this over and over again. Created animals, it's good. Created the ocean, it's good. Created the firmament, the sky, the stars, it's good. Created man alone. And the first time in creation, God said, it's not good. Not good at all. Then he created woman to be with a man so they could belong and have community. And what did he say? This is very good. We're made for community. We're designed for community. Alice taught that last week. If you were here, if you weren't, I'd invite you to go online and hear that great teaching. I'm going to teach that uh, the risk to belong, it's about you. It's about you. That's what I'm going to teach today. It's about how you were made and how God designed you and what kind of family you're in right now. It's about you. And then Carla's going to come next week and teach, no, it's not about you. Let's talk about this a minute. Mature faith always asks us to hold two opposites, right? You have free will to make choices, and God is sovereign. He decides. Two opposites. Jesus came in grace and truth. Two opposites. And what we're saying about community is it is about you, who you are and how God made you. And what we're also saying is it's not about you. You have to pick up your cross and mix it up with messy people. For Jesus, it's both. And then the last week, Brian's going to come and he's going to talk about uh, uh, the idea that it's about the kingdom of God, that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's talk about it's about you. It's about you. Josh McDowell is a college speaker and um, uh, he argued on Christian campuses for decades. He argued the faith. He would open the Bible. He would get out history books. He would argue. And then about a decade ago, he said this. The apologetic of our age on Christian campuses is no longer an argument for Christianity. It is, in fact, Christian community. And uh, another way of saying it is many people need to belong before they believe. And so we as a church, we need to be sure we're inviting all kinds of people with all kinds of beliefs to come and belong with us. And then along the way, they will come to believe right. They will come to know God. They will come to understand Christ. 
And if you don't agree with that, I would invite you to think about what Jesus did when he established the church. He went up to 12 fishermen and he said, hey, come follow me. And they did not believe right. They didn't follow Jesus because they had it right that he was the son of God. They followed Jesus because he invited them to belong. And then in their belonging, they came to understand who he was. And so that's why belonging is so important. That's why Josh McDowell says the apologetic of our, of our day is Christian community. Now, to have Christian community and be that kind of a place, we have to take a step back and say, but it has to fit who God made you to be. So uh, the scripture I want to uh, point you to this morning is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 20. I'll read it. It's on the slide. Just as a body... Oh, let me say, first of all, we've taught these verses over and over again about spiritual gifts, but they actually apply beyond that, beyond spiritual gifts. Just as a body, the one has many parts, just as a body uh, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many parts. Now, if the foot should say, hey, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. And the parts need each other. And God designed you just like you are. So you're an introvert who works with people all day and you come home and the last thing you would ever want to do is sit in a circle or a group talking to other people. I see many of you shaking your heads. God designed you that way. And if we're going to have you in a community, if you're going to choose to be in a community, it has to fit with how God designed you. It has to. We have two church values that uh, this goes right along with. The first one is everyone is welcome here. Everyone. Everyone is welcome here. And the second one is we are better together. You want to go fast? Go alone. You want to go far? Go together. And as I've gotten older, 66 and three quarters now, (laughs) I'm really looking back and seeing it's true. You want to go far, go together. Hang out with people who have your values. Let them cheer you on. You cheer them on. It's true. So commit to a group of people who share life and faith in Jesus to bless a broken world. Now, how do you know if this particular group that you're hanging out with is actually experiencing belonging in Christian community? We have a test. It's a test we've used for years at Orchard. And here's the test. So if you're a part of the parking crew and you stand out there and you say a prayer and then you park cars... Is that actually Christian community? Or you go home today around Sunday dinner and you're all eating there and you go, well, is this community? Well, we have a test. Here's the test. Uh, We have a slide one. Is this a place where you can increasingly know and be known? In other words, do you take your masks off? 
Can you know and be known? Number two, is this a place where you can love and be loved, where you can give love and that you can receive love? Number three, is this a place where you can serve each other and be served, and then as a group, you can serve those outside your group? And number four, is this a place where you can celebrate and be celebrated? So think about your Sunday lunch. Or think about your Tuesday morning Bible study. Is this a place where we are known and we can be known, where we love and be loved, serve and be served, celebrate and be celebrated? If all of those tests are yes, then you have it. You have Christian community. And if you've been meeting with a group of people for 40 years and you've never taken off your mask and you've never celebrated them, then you don't have it. This is not about how long you've been together. This is about actually what happens when you are together. We have a small group Lynn and I have been in for decades. And uh, uh, over the course of time, people have to change because they move away and move across the country and all that. Some of you are in these kind of groups. Some of you would love to be in this kind of group. Well, when our family tragedy hit, our group did all kinds of things to support us, as did many others. But one thing they didn't do was come to our house. One thing they didn't do was come to our house and give us a hug. One thing they didn't do, and so we were together months, so three months ago, and we talked about it, and they said, Dave, we wanted to in our heart, we wanted to, but we knew you, and we knew you were overwhelmed with family, and we knew you were overwhelmed with support. So for you, in this case, we stayed away. Now, it's the opposite of what I taught when we taught about how to respond, but in this case, they were actually right. And so when you're in community and you're loving and serving others, you're like focused on what do they need, whether it feels good to me or not. What do they need? Uh, So there are uh, three things I want to uh, talk about as we um, talk about belonging. First thing is belonging has many levels. Many levels. It's not simple. It's not as simple as, hey, go join a group. Some of you have belonging, Christian belonging at school. I know, I know elementary schools where the teachers meet uh, Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning, Thursday morning. The uh, followers of Christ meet and they pray for the students and they pray for the school and all that. That's Christian community. I know a group of firemen who meet at Panera because when I'm there, I see them. And they meet for community. And they're from many different congregations. I know families who will go home this afternoon and like there's this extended family huddle and they will have community. I know um, men who've been meeting together in twos or threes for a long time and they have community. So there's many layers. There's not one picture. There's not one box for how this community works. It might be your mission team or your Bible study group or it might be a group of soccer parents who drive to soccer but they actually don't only talk about soccer, they talk about life. So there's lots of opportunities in the church but there's lots of places, other places where you can have layers of community. Now the second thing is belonging must fit your life and your personality. It's impacted by so many things in your life, your profession, your stage in life. You know, if you've got five toddlers wandering around, community is going to look different for you than if you're an empty nester. I'll just say, it's a different thing. 
And if you're in a really hard time in your life and pain is like one of the um, community is going to be different. When we went through the tragedy um, for over a year, uh, in many ways, we were engulfed in community and in many ways, we took time out from some of our other communities. And so where you are in your lifestyle and what's going on in your life, and if you're an uh, empty nester or retired, that's, that community is going to look one way. And I never realized how many grandparents travel as much as they do to go see grandkids' games. And I mean, some of you know, you put more miles on as grandparents than you ever did as parents. And that's going to affect your life. Or if you're a single college student, how you find community is going to look different than after you like leave you and I or Wardberg and you get married and now you're a young professional couple. It's going to look different. And you got to figure out how is that going to look. Family is a huge part of this question mark. For my wife and I, uh, we grew up with our grandparents right in town. And my wife's sisters are in town. And um, we've desired and pictured and planned for family to be a central part of community our whole lives. We bought the house we live in because we pictured community. And it has costs and it has rewards. And now we have uh, three of our children live right in our neighborhood with their families. And uh, last night we watched the game in front of our TV um, with our whole family, in-town family there. Oh, their son's a Iowa State fan, so he wouldn't want to be there anyway. <laughs> we eat several meals a week together. Several. Okay, now, picture a different family next door, and their closest living relative is on the East Coast. Now, for them to figure out community is going to be a lot different than for me to figure out community. And what we got to do is say as a church, hey, it's okay. It's okay. Who you are and how you're living your life, and it's got, it, but, but we're going to challenge you to have it. I want to say a word about introverts. We were having a teacher's meeting, and we were talking about what we're teaching, and Ed Baker said, I just got one thing to say. Let's not forget the introverts, because Ed's an introvert. And when we do things that are designed for extroverts, it's hard on Ed. It wears on him. Well, I understand this. Three of our core family are introverts, my wife, Aaron, and Jeremy. They're extreme introverts, I would say. And um, so how they're going to relate and be in community is going to be different. You don't, get an, you don't get an excuse to not do it, but it's going to be different. It might be a smaller group. It might be more one-on-one. It might be different ways. But um, it's, it's, it, you still need community. You're designed for it. So introverts, uh, don't, don't hear two things. One, don't hear that you need to pretend you're an extrovert. You don't. And don't hear you get off the hook. No, it's that middle ground. You have to find it in a way that fits you. Uh, we have a video of a young couple who are active in our church. Were you and I students? And then figured out, they hit that transition point. And so they're going to talk to us about that. Take a look at Betsy and Kyle. I remember looking at Kyle and I was like, Kyle, we are not going to have any friends after college. What are we going to do? And so that kind of brought up the idea of let's start inviting people into our home on Sunday nights with a game and snacks. 
So we started meeting and then uh, the more we met, the more we got comfortable with each other because there was no expectations or anything like that. It was simply just, let's get together, let's talk. Uh, sometimes it would be geared towards, hey, what do you think of the message at Orchard this morning? Sometimes it would be, let's have a water balloon fight and kind of see where it goes. Um, and we just learned that we're all at different points in our lives, but there's someone always going through something we're all different in our spiritual walks where we connect with God and so it's just been really neat to see where we all connect. When you kind of admit your own faults it kind of helps other people realize that not everybody's perfect. A lot of times you look around and you think oh they're perfect, they're perfect, they're perfect, they got this, I don't. Uh, but a lot of times if you just kind of open up yourself you can realize that hey not everybody's perfect and uh, we're all in this together type of thing. Well, we were both involved in our roles at um, serving on Sunday mornings. I was on computer and Kyle was doing sound. And then we met our really good friend, Luke, now who was doing camera and just kind of felt like God placed him in our lives at the right time. And it's just been really neat to see how that blossomed from just being in the sound booth and then eventually at VBS, eventually like, wow, he's a pretty cool kid. Let's invite him over for a fire. And then we haven't really looked back since on that friendship. So it's really cool how our serving opportunities have brought new people. And Kyle is an introvert and I'm on the more side of introvert, but can't be extrovert if I really want to. And so just to have a friendship like that fall into place by serving and it just kind of gave us a newfound hope of, okay, this is possible, we can do this, even though we're more on the quiet, out, not so outgoing side. As a huge introvert, um, I really feel called by God, I guess, to be, I feel like one of my passions is to encourage other people. Um, but being an introvert, it's like polar opposites. So. A lot of times I get really frustrated and feel like I've failed when I you know, don't use that passion that I feel like I have. Um, I feel like introversion kind of gets in the way. And so, um, you know, I, I do okay with like people I'm familiar with, but other people it's like, wow, I just, I don't know, I just feel like such a failure. Like there's such a potential for failure if I start talking to somebody. So, um, you know, after I get over that hurdle of being familiar with someone, it's a lot easier I'm, I just get so amazed at when I look back over the course of the past four years that we've been together and that we've opened up our house. Like, I just think about the countless meals and conversations and struggles and secrets and all this stuff that's been shared and it hasn't always been easy. And sometimes Kyle and I look at each other after the end of a night and we're like, why do we do this? And then somehow it's like God just all of a sudden, like someone will send us a text and like, hey, just want to let you know, thank, thank you for tonight. Or um, just seeing people in our group connect outside and uh, just knowing that we're creating connections and, and hopefully really good friendships, not only for Kyle and I, but so other people in the community, other people in our friend group have the opportunity to meet other people as well. Just a great example of introverts who have found a way to make it work. Uh, the third thing I want to say real quick is uh, belonging requires you to be an initiator, an initiator. Uh, in any size church these days, it doesn't matter whether it's a big church or a small church, any size church, you don't just come in, sit in the seat, and all of a sudden you belong. You have to initiate. You have to uh, take a risk. You have to um, say, how is it 
that I'm going to get the belonging that God wants in my life. Uh, when we hire youth directors, one of the things that I teach them over and over again is um, this. It doesn't matter if the kids like you. In fact, there are whole churches who do this wrong. They invite a youth director in, and they have their kids all gather, and they let the kids decide if they like the youth director. That's like crazy bad. Crazy bad. I say to kids, it doesn't matter if the kids like you. What really matters is do the kids know that you love them? Because over time, that always plays out. Watch football coaches. Do they love their players? It's a key factor, key factor. And so you, you, you go out in the lobby in a couple minutes. It doesn't matter if you think people like you. What matters is, do you care about them? And as you reach out and care about them, you'll begin to belong. Now, this is an initiation. And it's the opposite of what some of you want to hear. What you'd like to hear is you can just sit in the seat right there and somehow Orchard has the solution for you to get connected. Not. Bonk, thanks for playing. It takes initiation. But then we follow a God who did the greatest initiation of all times. While we were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die for us. When we had turned our back on him, he sent Jesus to die for us. The cross is the greatest initiation in all of history. And we follow a God who, um, out of his own goodness, initiated a relationship with us for our benefit. And so initiation, um, uh, I was at the summit, the global summit, which we pushed real hard, and 300 or so of you were there, and the old crusty um, John Maxwell gets up front, and you know, he's t between two hired, pirate young people, and this guy's like 70 or 75, I don't know. And uh, he says the line that I can't get out of my head. He says this. He says... Um, most of us have dreams and aspirations that are worthwhile and they're uphill. And it's so true. I have dreams and aspirations and they're worthwhile and it's going to take a lot of work to climb uphill and get those. And then he says this, our practices are downhill. We take the easy way. And so when it comes to initiating belonging, that's an uphill we want to belong tight with some people. We want to do it in a way that fits us and honors God and is a picture of Christianity. But our practices are downhill. Take the easy way. Uh, stay home and eat popcorn. You know, whatever. And so we need to be sure that uh, when we have a goal and an inspiration uphill that we're going. Uh, Hebrews 10.23. I'll close with this and a couple challenges. Uh, Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You can spur one another on in church, in the lobby, in your Bible study, in your workplace, in your classroom, on your athletic team. You can spur one another on to good deeds and not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. I loved Kyle's line. I'm an introvert, but I have a passion for encouragement. It seems like opposites. No, it's not opposites. Uh, three challenges. Number one challenge. If you've been waiting for someone else to initiate or find a place for you to belong, here's the challenge. If that's you, stop waiting and take the initiative yourself. You can do this. 
So if you've been sitting in the seats here at Orchard for three years and saying, boy, this church doesn't connect with anybody, take a step. There's a card with eight steps. You have a bulletin with three steps. Uh, take the step. You can do it. Number two, if you have lots of community already, like you're, in your, you're up to your eyeballs in community, and like some of us have so many uh, community belonging places, we can't even keep up with them, then the challenge to you might be to uh, in, try to invite someone different into that community. Just try to invite one person different into that community. And the third challenge, I can't help this one. If your family is not a belonging kind of place. And one, just let me say that's hard. I look at your faces and I know the stories of your families and how some of them right now today are so hard. Um, and some of you are doing everything you can to make them better. Some of you are. And I just affirm that and cheer that on. But if you're not, if you've written off some of your family members, then start there. No love, serve, and celebrate within your core family. Start there. And if your Sunday dinner isn't that kind of place, and it possibly could be, in some of your cases, it cannot be. I get that. But if it could be with something you do, then go do it. I'm going to pray. And... Uh, Again, thanks for being here this morning. Dear God, we were designed for community and um, some of us are in it up to our eyeballs and don't even know really how to, how to live out the community we're in. And some of us are lonely and isolated. And Jesus, you are the Lord and the Savior, the leader of all of us. Help each of us uh, take the right step, the next step. And Father, if this teaching has caused pain in someone's heart or life, um, I pray that you would be, bring comfort to that pain. We live in a broken world, and uh, that's why Jesus died on a cross because we live in a broken world and uh, we need him we need him to have courage to reach out we need him to have courage to initiate we need him uh, some of us just to walk through the pain that we're going to face this afternoon so help us hold on to Jesus in his name we pray amen